So the morning of the overdose, Demi had, she had really wanted to make this doctor's appointment. So I got over there extra early to wake her up for it. Um, her door was closed. So whenever her door was closed, I kind of just took it as a hint, like, hey, just knock. So I knocked. Natalie, her chef at the time, she had just arrived and I heard her in the kitchen. So I went down to talk to her for a little bit. And then I went back upstairs and I knocked again. At this point, I was kind of just like, okay, we're gonna be late. I was getting a little annoyed with her. And I think I might've even texted her and like, hey, like, let's go. And I opened the door really slowly. Um, and it was really dark and cold in her room. And I kind of got chills. Honestly, I thought that she was just drunk or hungover. So I kind of started to like nudge her a little bit like, hey, like, let's get up now. Like, it's time to go. She wasn't really moving. She was like drooling. I called Max Lee security. She's not waking up. Um, she's not really responding. I don't really know what to do. I rang security and I said, Jordan's just called me in a panic. I need you to go into the room now and tell me everything you see. She was propped up, uh, vomit everywhere, but she was on her back, which isn't good. So I told him, put her on her side, um, clear her throat, and uh, I'm on my way. By that point, some more people had started to arrive at the house. And I'm just kind of like, do I call 911? Like, what do I do? So I, I called, and I just remember sneaking downstairs to make the phone call because I didn't want to get in trouble for calling 911. While I was on the call, someone told me to tell the operator, no sirens. Hang in there, okay? We're on our way. I'll let you know when they're outside. You should be hearing the sirens real soon. With no sirens, please, right? No, 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 no. This is a medical emergency. I, ha I don't have control over that. Well, this is definitely a medical emergency for her. I was quite impressed with Jordan's handling it. I couldn't care what anyone thought. Get an ambulance there. The ambulance came. They came upstairs to her room. They got their Narcan out, trying to really just bring her back to life. Um, there was one point where she turned blue, like her whole body completely turned blue. And yeah, I was just like, she's dead for sure. Yeah, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was, yeah, it was tough. It was tough, really tough to watch. Ooh, I've been good, don't I deserve it? I think I earned it, feels like it's worth it in my mind, my It was my mom, me, and Madison upstairs in my mom's room. And I looked down at my phone and I saw that everybody in the world was texting me. The first thing I got was a text from a mutual friend saying, I'm so sorry. And I was like, huh? I'm so sorry. I heard about Demi. 
I'm praying for your family. Like, I'm really praying for Demi. You guys are in my prayers. I was so confused. I thought maybe she'd been in a car accident. I had no idea. I get a call from our tour manager. Demi's in the hospital. And I'm like, shut up. And this guy is known for joking around. I started getting a flood of texts saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I was like, sorry about what? Like, what is happening? And then Max calls her security. So before I could get to try to find out on my phone what had happened, um, I got a call from her assistant. I heard my mom pick up the phone. It was something in her voice that told me something really, really bad just happened and I should probably get my clothes on because we need to leave. She said, Demi overdosed. And I said, is she okay? When I heard her on the phone being like, okay, okay, all right, but is she okay? Is she alive? Is Demi, is Demi alive? And she said, she's breathing, we're at the hospital, but she's not talking. She had texted me the night before and she said, can you go out to this like show with us or something? And I was like, I'm so sorry, I can't. I have to fly to New York tomorrow. So the next day I fly to New York and the plane lands and everyone turns on their phone. People are gasping in the plane. It was so surreal. And I'm looking at everyone's phone and it says Demi Lovato overdose. I got a hold of Diana and she told me what had happened, but was like, oh, she's okay. It's gonna be okay. She's all right right now. You just need to get on the plane and come. But later that day I talked to her security and uh, he told me the truth and that the next 24 hours are gonna to be tough. We'll know if she's gonna make it within the next 24 hours. And I said, what do you mean if she's gonna make it? Uh, says, we don't know this next 24 hours is important. I was just devastated and I didn't understand what was going on. I, I'm, I'm so confused. What, like, what are, you what are you talking about? I was just with her. Her oxygen levels, when she came to the hospital, they were dangerously low, and uh, they were trending down. Uh, they were 70% some of her health and age. We expect it to be closer to 100%. Time is brain, is what we like to, we like to say, and, and the longer you go with the brain being starved of essential nutrients, uh, the longer it's injured, the more difficult is the recovery. It was like a horror movie. They put her in ICU. She had a tube in her neck that was taking her blood into a machine, cleaning it, and then putting it back into her neck. And as a parent, you're watching all of her blood come out of her body into a machine and come back. I asked the doctor, I said, what happens if she pulls out that tube in the middle of the night or when we're not watching her and he actually kind of laughed and he said that tube's not coming out it's sewn into her neck I, I actually don't think people realize how bad it actually was I had three strokes I had a heart attack 
I suffered brain damage from the strokes. Um, I can't drive anymore and I have blind spots in my vision. So sometimes when I go to like pour a glass of water, I'll like totally miss the cup because I can't see it anymore. Like, um, I also had uh, pneumonia because uh, I asphyxiated um, and multiple organ failure. She asked me two or three times what happened. And I said, Demi, you're, you're in the hospital and you, you overdosed. And she, she just sat there and said, Ugh. like she was really upset with herself. I am not saying that I have not used needles, but that night I wasn't injecting it. I was smoking it which is another reason why I was so shocked when I woke up in the hospital, because I was like, no, I'm not injecting it. I can't overdose on it. At the end of the day, if you do too much of anything, it's gonna kill you. I was like, all right, I need to get help. I did ask, um, is it out there, you know? Like, I, my mom was like, yeah, it's out there. Everyone knows, a lot of people are worried, a lot of people are concerned, and a lot of people love you. And um, that's all you need to worry about right now. Typically, when we hear about drug-related ingestions, you know, they come to us too late. I'm really lucky to be alive. Um, my doctors said that, like, I had five to 10 more minutes um, and had my assistant not come in, I wouldn't be here today. I have to give thanks to the doctors that took care of her and she had several. One was working on her brain, one was working on her kidneys, one was working on her eyes. And so they were trying to figure out a lot in that first 24 hours. What the dialysis does in this case is it removes the toxins and the fluid accumulation and prevents the brain from swelling and becoming more injured. They came to me and said, we can either go to the neck or we can go in down here. I remember them trying to sew it into my groin mm. and it was so painful, even on whatever drugs I was on. They gave the two options and I said, please try this part first for obvious reasons. Then he came back to me and said, we just can't do what you gotta do. Yeah. He put her on that machine to clean her blood immediately, and it just, I think that's what saved her life. I actually had to schedule another meeting to discuss what had happened because a lot of being in the hospital was so blurry for me. I wanted to go back and really understand the full magnitude of what had happened. The first moment that I saw Demi in the hospital, when she first opened her eyes, she looked at me, I grabbed her hand, and I said, I'm here and I love you, just to let her know I had gotten to the hospital. And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, who is that? Which is something you never want to hear your sister say. <laughs> that is by far the worst moment of my life was when she woke up and she was like, I can't, I can't see, I can't see anything. 
And we all kind of looked at the nurses and the doctors and were like, what? Like, wh what do you mean? What does she mean? What, what do you mean she can't see anything? I was legally blind when I woke up and my little sister was at my bedside and I was so blind that I couldn't see who she was, even though she was standing next to me. And I asked her, I was like, who, who are you? And she just started sobbing because she thought from then on I was not gonna be able to see. The areas of her brain that were initially affected were the, the vision centers in the back of the brain. Uh, the idea was to mitigate the damage and to provide the best opportunity for recovery. The first time you got sober, I think it was in response to the fact that your parents told you you couldn't see your sister Madison. And then to bring it full circle, you couldn't see your sister in a literal sense. I know that's not what they literally meant. Um, I know they meant it metaphorically, but it's really ironic and in a weird way poetic that I, it ended up happening like that and me not actually seeing her. To be honest, when I found out that Demi wanting to be able to see me and keep a relationship with me was one of the reasons she went to treatment, I didn't believe it that a sister relationship like that could stand in the way of Demi and her addictions, even if for a moment. I think that God has a twisted sense of humor sometimes. I think people can understand picking up a joint. What gets harder for people to understand is the harder drugs. How does that even happen? How do you even do something like that? So my cocktail before I got sober was Coke and Xanax together. It was an upper and a downer, and I loved the combination. Once I relapsed, the floodgates were open. Within a couple of weeks, I called a drug dealer and I was like, do you have Coke and Xanax? And he said, no, but I have crack and heroin. And I was like, I've always wanted to try it. So it might be hard for people to understand, but when people relapse, and this is, you know, pretty much the case always, is that people will not, they won't even return to where they last used. They will return to a much harsher bottom. I knew that what I had been looking for, I hadn't found yet. But what I had been looking for was not in the form of a drug. It was the spiritual growth that I've had over the past, I even wanna say like seven months, that spiritual growth is what I was looking for. You cannot help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. I mean, you can cut them off, you can threaten, you can offer help as many times as you'd like. And I think that was something we struggled with for a while, which is how far do we push? How much can you pull away from someone because of their addiction until you just become an asshole? It wasn't fair, actually, to everyone that was around me during that time because when I did end up in the hospital, they were kind of thrown for a loop, too, of like, whoa, what, what, do you, what the f have you been doing? What do you mean? And that was my fault. That was me manipulating the people around me and making sure they never found out when she decided to not be sober anymore. I never had been in an experience with her where it was bizarre or out of control um, to the point where I was like, this is not gonna be good. This is not gonna turn out well. And I think that's where we all were being fooled. 
My birthday wasn't crazy. It was my closest friends. My mother was in town. Demi security was there, her bodyguard. And I said, you know, let's just all hang out. So it was about midnight, 1230. A couple people went home and she was like, let's like, let's go back to my house. We came home to her place. She offered us LaCroix. In my head, I'm like, that's cool. And it made me feel comfortable. We danced on the roof and this and that, and we just started to get tired. And I'm like, all right, I'm going, I'm going home. Love you. She goes, stay over, stay over. You, you and everyone just stay over. And I'm like, girl, I gotta go home. I have dogs, my mother's there. I gotta go home. No, please, please, please stay over. I'm like, we'll go, let's go hiking in the morning. You know, we're all fine. It's early enough. Let's go hiking in the morning. I'll call you in the morning. Great, awesome, love that, love that. And when I was leaving the house, she was like waving. I just like felt a little odd. I was just like, wow, like that was a really nice night. Why do I feel like I should have stayed? Why do I, and we were halfway away from the house and we pulled over. And I look at my friend Janelle and I said, do you feel weird? And she's like, I feel weird. Have we, should we have stayed? Should we have stayed? And I'm like, no, she's a grown up girl. In my head, I'm like, what is she gonna do? She's gonna go to bed. Like, no, she's fine. I said I was going to bed, but the reality was I had called my dealer over. What people don't realize about that night for me is I wasn't, I didn't just overdose. I also was taken advantage of. I had not heard of him before. Uh, that was a part of her life that she had kept at least hidden from me. So if she's drinking again and using again, someone has to be supplying this stuff. She has to be getting it from somebody. I found out later, of course, that wasn't the first time that he had come over or supplied her, um, but she had drunkenly hit him up that night. He had given her drugs. He told her some different iteration of what they were. I don't think he mentioned it was laced with fentanyl. He gave me what I assume now to be fentanyl by giving me aftermarket pills. And on top of that, he also ended up getting her really high and leaving her for dead. I've had my fair share of sexual trauma throughout childhood, teenage years, and um, when they found me, I was naked. I was blue. I was literally left for dead after he took advantage of me. And when I woke up in the hospital, they asked if I had had consensual sex, and there was one flash that I had of him on top of me. I saw that flash and I said yes. It actually wasn't until um, maybe a month after my overdose that I realized, hey, you weren't in any state of mind to make a consensual decision. That kind of trauma doesn't go away overnight. And it doesn't go away in the first few months of rehab either. You know, that's something that sticks with you for a while after because all of the daddy issues that I'd had growing up, now I was literally discarded and abandoned. That amplified all of my dad's stuff. I've realized a lot of my past traumas came to a head that night, but at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my life choices and hold only myself accountable. And the last few years have been about me doing the work to identify and confront those traumas so I can be my best self and truly be happy.
but it's not very common that you'd see someone with a drug-related overdose with this degree of multi-organ failure that would come out of it relatively unscathed and do as well as she has. It's like a nice reminder that that it wasn't my time, you know, that there was more life to be lived. When she turned 28 this past year, it is pretty morbid, but we kind of were like, you made it to 28, yes, you survived the 27 club. In a way, it's like probably a subconscious self-fulfilled prophecy. But what's different is she lived through it, is that she survived it. She was where her father was, but she got through it. Did you know who Demi Lovato was before that night? I did not. <laughs> and I did not Google her for about a week after I started interacting with her. And, uh, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> uh, um, but, um, but I didn't do that. I didn't do it deliberately because I don't like to, to influence my medical decision making. Well, you know, she's got some bops. <laughs> I, I, I now know that. <laughs>